0: Hello and welcome to stick around a suicide discussion. If you or someone you love struggle with mental illness, this is the place to be. I'm Kel Bjorn and I'm passionate about helping others discover ways to find value in their lives. You've got friends, you've got family, you've got plenty of people who want you to stick around. So let's open up and see if we can make a difference. All right, welcome back, everyone. Kel Bjorn here, ready for another episode of the Stick Around Podcast. This week, I am sitting down with Sandell Taylor. And Sandell is the spouse of an Army veteran and mother of two beautiful children, one of which which was diagnosed with ODD and SPMD, which we'll talk about a little bit later. Um, And after her father suffered a heart attack back in 2005 and surviving an abusive relationship, Sandell found her knight in camouflage armor. I love how you put that. It's fantastic. Um, She's also spent the last 19 years advocating for heart and mental health awareness, which is her main focus in her beauty pageantry competition platform. So welcome to the show, Sandell.
1: Thank you. I'm so honored um, to be here. It's been an amazing journey getting to talk to people from all across the world. It's the beautiful thing about social media and of course, podcasting, you get to talk with everybody. And I just, I can't wait. I'm excited. Thank you.
0: Yeah. Isn't that crazy? I mean, can you imagine doing this? I mean, there's obviously radio interviews that we all probably grew up hearing, but I mean, there's not that there's red tape, but it's kind of more challenging to get involved in something like that. But with social media these days, I mean, you can talk to people all over the world and get different insights. So you're right. That's pretty, pretty fascinating. Um, So let's Let's go back um, to to back to 2005. You mentioned that when your father had a heart attack, that was kind of a life-changing experience for you. Um, Do you mind going into that a little bit and what that experience was like?
1: Absolutely. Um, I don't mind at all. It's actually something I frequently talk about. Um, So in 2005, um, my dad had a heart attack and stroke that left him completely paralyzed on his left side. At the time, I was actually only 17. I had just graduated high school, and it was before my 18th birthday. Um, I'm a summer baby, so I graduated before I turned 18. And it really changed my life because shortly after that, I was living with my brother and my brother's friend. And we really didn't have enough money to continue what we were doing. And so I found myself really young not knowing how to take care of finances. And we ended up losing our home in a share of sale. Um, so that's for the listeners who are listening, that's basically when you can't afford to pay your mortgage and it's pretty much enough that they want to take it back.
0: Yeah. And
1: it was really devastating for me because I love growing up where I grew up. Um, I ended up moving back there, but I had to move about an hour away to where I didn't know anybody. I wasn't going to college. I ended up moving in with my mother who we were at the time, we weren't as close as what we are now. And I kind of had to start all over again. And so that kind of just led me on an incredible, but yet insane journey because I started working at night at an Eaton park as a waitress and I met a few girlfriends who then introduced me to some other people that were in the area. And then I ended up meeting who is now my son's biological father. Hmm. And unfortunately, what I didn't know at the time was that he had gotten through our relationship. He had gotten involved into doing um, some illegal substances, opioids. Um, It started out with pills and then changed into opioids. And I didn't know it at the time until it was a little bit too late. Yeah. And during that time, you know, I had my suspicions that this was occurring just because there was extra aggravation going on. There was things that weren't happening before in our relationship, um, but I wasn't really able to prove it. And that's when I unfortunately became a victim of domestic violence hmm. um, right after my son was born. My son was actually an infant at the time.
2: Oh no way. Um,
1: and I almost lost my life that day. Wow. And I left the day after and so the journey was over some time this didn't happen back to back to back yeah my son i had my son when i was 19 so i left around 18 this has happened over the span of you know a year and some change give or take um but it was quite a life changing experience that really kind of started what i call the the downward side of my adventure and i don't really like to use that huh. term but it that's kind of how it's perceived but i really consider it the loop. Um, it started yeah. me on the loop. And you know, it, it it's really kind of what started that whole occasion.
0: Yeah. Well, first off, I mean, good for you for having the courage to step out of that situation. I mean, I know you hear examples over and over of of people being afraid, right? Of kind of getting stuck in a, a relationship like that, but I mean, having the courage of of stepping out on that and, and trying to find a better life is, man, that must have been such a challenge. And I'd imagine, you know, my whole message with this podcast is mental health and how do we improve that? I'd imagine like the mental health struggle you were going through must have been pretty, pretty severe at that point.
1: It was. It was one of the most challenging things of my life. I was literally scared to death um, because... I could have died from the moment that that happened. Yeah. And I also had my young child to think of. And I didn't know um, the extent of what else could be capable of. So my mind was playing tricks on me. You know what I mean? We go through these stages of, it goes through the what ifs, I call it. And in my mind, it was going to like the extreme of things because this event was so traumatic to me. Um, So when I went through domestic violence, what had happened was I was holding my infant son on the couch next to a friend of mine at the time and feeding my child. Again, he was under four months old and my significant other ran down the stairs and he thought that I had threw his drugs away. He actually stated this. So this was the first time I actually heard him basically admitting to doing something. I didn't know what he was actually talking about I had no idea what he was referring to. And he was so angry with me that he picked me up and put me on the ground and poured beer into my eyes at the point wow. where I contacts in and then proceeded to pick me up by my neck and shove me into a wall to the extent that the wall started to break.
2: Wow. And
1: I blacked out. I don't remember what happened after that. I don't know how long he held me for, um, I, I don't know where my son was at this time. I had no idea. I, I didn't even know when I woke up, if I was still alive, like I, that's where my mind was at the time. So I ended up finding out that at the time I ended up passing very quickly, my infant to my friend. So I'm very thankful that, you know, God yeah. allowed her to be at my place that time.
2: Wow. She
1: took the baby, grabbed the bottle and the diaper bag and ran out of the building to call for help.
2: Yeah.
1: And, um, um, I found out later that she had timed the event and it was under two minutes that the whole event took place to where, wow. um, he had left the facility. Um, so we didn't know exactly. Cause like I said, she had left the, like being able to see me. So she didn't know how long he was holding me for, but she knew that the the entire time from start to finish was less than two minutes, which was, is, is, uh, grateful in my eyes because you know, some events can last much longer. Yeah. Um, so I was going through a lot of stuff and then, then came all the self doubt, you know, what did I do? What did we do? What, what could I have done? What didn't I do? What didn't I see? Um, A lot of self blame, you know, I should have helped this person more. Um, uh, yeah. Um, I should have known, I should have seen it. I should have done, you know, all that. And then I realized um in going through therapy that I can't, help someone who didn't want to be helped. I couldn't get the horse to drink the water. I could only give it to the water. If that makes sense. And I tried that. I tried to help. Um, I tried to get programs that, you know, they could attend. And I'm again, grateful. I'm going to say it now that now he's fully been sober for over three years. Um, He's been back in my son's life now since my son was, about 10 years old um and i can't be more grateful because a lot of people don't end up getting that help yeah um, don't end up um winning the fight with that demon so to speak and unfortunately opioids take a lot of lives yeah and i was i was grateful that my son gets to still have not only his biological father but this man who entered my life several years later, as I like to say, like you mentioned my knight in camouflage armor. Yeah. And I say that because as you know, he's an army veteran, but he literally saved me from myself. That's the easiest Mm -hmm. way I can put it.
0: Yeah. So take me to, I guess that time period of when you met him, your knight in camouflage armor, and and what are some of the things that he did to kind of help you I don't get out of that place that you were in.
1: Yeah. So when I met him, I was a single mother, of course. Um, at the time when I we met, I did end up, I, I was actually living on my own. I, I, I went through a spurt, of, a spurt of homelessness when I left my previous partner. Really. Um, and again, there was some time in between that. So I'm trying to think of how old I was when I met my husband. I'm like trying to think now. Hold on is <laughs> another spot. Hubby, don't listen to this part.
0: Uh, don't worry. <laughs>
1: no. Don't so I worry, I can him. edit that
0: out too. <laughs>
1: and funny. you can leave it in. He'll love it. He'll think it's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> um we we met originally um a little bit before in 2009 I actually was I met him and his brother, but I don't remember this part. He remembers me but I don't remember him. So fast forward about a, a year and so after this, we meet again at a bar. And this time it was in where we live now, which is a little bit closer to um, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. So I'm in Pennsylvania and Pittsburgh's like one of the biggest cities. So we met yeah. like closer to there and we he was coming into this bar with his friends from the army and they would come in in their uniforms, you know, um, whether it be after their weekend workout or whatever they were doing. And it was like a group of four or five of them. And I'd always notice them come in. Of course, always say hello. Really respect our troops. My dad was an army, was in the U.S. Navy, so I've always awesome. had a respect for the troops. And his friend came in wearing a Wisconsin cheese hat. And if you know what I'm talking about, it's like oh, a yeah. football team cheese hat.
0: Got to be a Packers and, fan, right?
1: Well. I don't know if he is now because I'm pretty sure I embarrassed him to the point where he's now a Steelers fan, but of (laughs) course, you're coming into Steelers territory with a Wisconsin cheese hat. So I had to know, like, was this a bet? Was he really like coming into like a Pittsburgh club with Wisconsin cheese on his head? Like, I really have to know. So long story short, his friend was really short, like very short. And I'm not making fun of his friend, but he was, short enough to the point where when I had heels on, I could rest my arm on top of this cheese hat. Okay. Wow. And he yeah. said to me, he looked up at me and he's like, you are really intimidating. That's what he said to me. And I was like, really? So I turned to my now <laughs> husband. And I was like, am I intimidating to you? And he's like, no, like real smart, like snarky, smart, smart, like whatever you want to call it. And I was like, Hmm, he doesn't define me intimidating. Like, of course what goes off in a woman's head you're like oh this challenge yeah exactly yeah. <laughs> challenge. so pretty much like we just got off on the on the right foot so yeah we had um exchange numbers at that point and i really didn't expect anything um and i ended up contacting him when i was on vacation just the most random conversation i think in the world happened between us i'm I'm pretty sure like if he were to flash back in time, he would not really know where this conversation came out of. And it just kind of went from there. It went from having a random text message conversation all day long about (laughs) the most weird items to we went on a date at Kennywood and we've been together ever since.
0: Oh, that's awesome. What a great story. Um, We got to point out, I mean, fast forward to this year, Pittsburgh's having a heck of a year. As far as football goes, heck yeah, 10 and 0, right?
1: Ten and zero, absolutely. That's there's a crazy. game today.
0: Oh yeah, that's so, so weird. The day
1: we're recording isn't going to come out right now, but uh, the day we're recording that there's a game today, they're finally playing the Ravens. Uh, so we'll see, we'll see. Um,
0: yeah, Wednesday is a weird day for the NFL. So was it postponed because someone had COVID, or I don't it remember why.
1: Like multiple times because really? yes, because of okay. COVID um, on the Ravens side. Got a cheer for my Steelers.
0: This is definitely a tangent, but I'm still bitter about the Steelers because I'm from Seattle. So the Super Bowl back in like, oh, six, I got to say, Seahawks lost to the Steelers.
1: I'm sorry. That's pretty I'm sorry, sorry for that. your loss.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I got over it. They they won one a few years back. It's okay. Well, I, I mean, really so far, just from what I'm hearing, your story is just pretty fascinating. I mean, going from even to a point where you're, you're homeless with a, with a small child. Did your dad pass away from the heart attack or he just.
1: He actually just passed this year in okay. twenty in 2020 and he actually passed from complications due to COVID-19.
0: Oh my gosh. Are you serious? Oh, that's too bad. Yeah. I'm sorry to hear that. Well, so back then, I mean, what a challenge of trying to get back on your feet even before you met your, your now husband, what was that experience like going from homeless and, and trying to figure out what direction you were going to go with your life?
1: I can't be more grateful for my friends. Um I had a lot of friends that supported me at the time. Not saying that my family wasn't supportive, but at the time, my only other family member that was around was my mom and she lived right down the street from my abuser, so to speak. So they lived very yeah. close together. And I didn't feel safe there because I didn't want anything to happen to my mom. I didn't want anything to happen to my stepdad i didn't want anything to happen to their dogs their cars um i mean this man cut the top to my convertible with an infant child to the point where i had i had to get it replaced so i could even drive it oh my gosh. um he peed he, he the side of my car so bad that i actually didn't know if there was wind coming through um or had someone else do it um you know i w- i was having death threats maine you know i was getting messages and again i don't know if these were directly coming from him or directly coming from people who had heard that we, I left. Um, so I moved around from different friends' houses from time to time until I could get myself into some housing. Yeah. Um, and I went to organizations such as the Dresser Success Program that's here in Pittsburgh, and I'm sure a couple other states have that. And a program called the Earn Program, which allowed me to put my child in childcare while I was working, which is something I didn't have. I didn't have childcare. Oh.
2: Cool. I didn't
1: have anyone to help me. And this program actually allowed me to put him in childcare while I was trying to obtain work and help me um, pay for it. Um, not the full extent, but it was based off income. Yeah. And so I was very, very, very grateful for these organizations because without those organizations, I really don't know how I would have done it, but my husband um helped me with my resume. Um he was very detail oriented about resumes because he had looked over my original resume that um a different person had created and he's like you're really not gonna get much stock with that. Yeah. So he really helped me create my first what I call big girl resume. <laughs> because before this I was working at like I was a waitress, you know, before that I was a bartender. You know, yeah. I was working so this is more like I was moving towards nine to five type deal, right? Um, so he really kind of helped skill that. And more importantly, I didn't realize it then, but I realized it shortly after he believed more in me than I believed in myself. And like I said, I, he saved me from myself because I was very self doubting. I was very self questioning. I very just didn't feel like I deserved any of it. I didn't feel like I deserved him. I didn't feel like I deserved a good job. I didn't feel like I deserved to be a mom. I just, I kind of just felt worthless. Hmm. Um, And so he really just kind of helped me with that. And then to also parent a child, my son was two when he came into my life and parent this child who wasn't his. I can't even begin to describe how that feels. It's like, Like the most adrenaline rushing feeling because you see this picture of my son, and it's on my social media of him. He's two years old. He's on my husband's motorcycle. It wasn't running, it was parked with these this big helmet on and his motorcycle gloves. And my son's smiling from ear to ear. Mm. Just sitting on this motorcycle Uh, that's not on. It's just parked. He brought it over to my house to show my son. That was the day that I knew that he was a great man.
2: Yeah, that's then, awesome.
1: Then There's another picture of him on my social media of him laying in my son's toy car bed, like legit, <laughs> small, little tykes toy car bed. He's in his uniform. He had come over to visit um, one night. Again, like I said, he must have been doing his um, either at work with the military or or on his like, um, like runs, his test runs. And you see them sleeping. And I took a picture of them sleeping on this little toy car bed. Yeah. Grown man, six foot something (laughs) in this tiny (laughs) toy car bed.
2: That's
0: awesome.
1: You know, that tells you a lot about somebody's character. And he's just really been my, my rock. And so that's why I always say he's my knight in camouflage armor because I can't be more grateful for him coming into my life. And he saved me for myself. He saved me from all these negative things. And then he was there for my kid. And then when we found out my son had some, some mental health issues and some behavioral health issues, that was like a whole nother story. Yeah. That was like the whole next
2: level.
0: Yeah. Well, really quick. I mean, I just want to point out something that I thought was pretty profound there that you said. I just think of the people listening to this that might be struggling right now, or might have a friend or a family member that is struggling with their own mental health. And and just taking that example of really what he did, like you said, was just believe in you, right? He saw more potential in you than you did. And that's part of the battle when people are on the verge of wanting to take their own life because they don't want to be here anymore. Of having a support network, having someone um, that's there to reach out a hand and, and point out the positives, right? Point you in the right direction and say, no, no, you're this, you're this, You can you can do this and that even though you don't think you can. Um, And that's made a huge change in your life. And that can make a huge change in other people's lives. If we just try to take the time and notice those that we think need that kind of direction or need that kind of support, that's a cool story. Well, so let's talk a little bit, I guess, about what it was like receiving those diagnoses for your son. Um, So you might have to explain a little bit. I mean, I had to look these up. ODD and then SPMD is more like a, a muscular disability type of thing, right?
1: Um, So it's actually not. Um, So it's kind of a little bit difficult to quote unquote, look up. So ODD is oppositional defined disorder. Okay. Oppositional defined disorder is basically I describe it as having opposition, meaning they don't like authority. My son does not like authority in any way, shape or form. People telling him what to do, what to say, how to act, how to feel. Yeah. SPMD is a form of what's called SPCD. So it's social pragmatic communication disorder is the, the, um, the bigger spectrum, which is more heard of SPMD is social pragmatic mood disorder. Gotcha. And when you look up SPMD, you really won't find that particular disorder because they kind of categorize it under the umbrella of SPCD, which is the social pragmatic communication disorder.
0: Yeah, that's confusing because there is one that talks about a muscular disorder where like like shoulder problems or your feet don't grow in right. Club foot like falls under that category. So this is a totally different conversation yeah. talking about mood yeah, disorders. Yeah,
1: they're, they're totally different. But when you when you kind of are trying to research it, that's kind of what you find. And so that is also a challenge. Um, so we realized that there were some things that were off, so to speak, when my son was about five. He actually threw a desk um for pretty much no reason, like in kindergarten across across the way.
2: Wow. And almost
1: to the teacher. He he wasn't deliberately trying to hit a teacher, but that's just what ended up happening. Um and then pretty much it was just very severe mood swings um was the first thing. And then trouble with comprehension of when I say, social situations. So for instance, he knew right and wrong, but if his friend did it, he wanted to do it. And it mm. wasn't like he didn't, he didn't, he wasn't able to implement the right or wrong. He's very heavily influenced by his peers. Interesting. So, so much to the point where at one point he ended up being removed from school because his friend told him to do something and he ended up doing that thing. Wow. And It got him in a lot of trouble where he had a, he had a placement for 45 days and I had to fight the school because the kid admitted to basically forcing my son to do it. And they didn't do anything about this other kid. Wow. Um, But yet the principal at the time who was a grown man over 260 pounds claimed that he was afraid for his life. And my son was six.
0: Wow. Really?
1: Yeah. Um, so I had to go through a lot of, um, educational lawyers. I had a educational representative, educational advocate. I had to do a lot of research on IEPs, um, all that kind of stuff, um, which my son did have that. I had to do a lot of work to get him back into his schooling. And basically what ended up allowing him to come back to school was that the principal was going to be changed out. He ended up deciding to take another position and they were bringing a new principal in and the new principal was like, absolutely. There's no reason why he shouldn't be back in school. He's been making X, Y, Z progress has been making X, Y, Z progress for over 30 days. He should have been back, you know, this, this, and this days and basically agreed to everything that we had been fighting for. Yeah, So I went through a really long battle of that and we still work with it today. My son is still in therapy. Again, I'm very grateful that I have the support system that I have um, he has um, a school-based therapist which helps him just with everything going on in school we have a um, behavioral therapist that comes to our home which right now we're not coming to our home we're actually going to a secure facility and being tested and going there just because I have a younger daughter so I don't want people in my home right now yeah and then we also have a service coordinator that helps me if I need anything else um, you know, such as, um, you know, help getting his medication delivered to my house, um, help getting to different doctors, anything like that. Um, so I'm really, really grateful to have an amazing team. And like I said, that's something that we'll be dealing with for, you know, who, who knows how long, sometimes they can, their brain can grow and it can change and it can allow the connectors to connect in a different aspect,
2: Oh, interesting. Um, both,
1: both the social pragmatic disorder and both the social pragmatic communications disorder um are just outside the autism spectrum okay so there are times where sometimes it will never change um you know so we just are focused and like i said we're very i use the word blessed um because i really believe that god is the one who is providing all this for me and you know we are really working together as a family both myself my husband, his father, our team, you know, we're really, really trying to work together as best as we can for him. Yeah, And it, that's really all that it's all it's about. It's all about my kids. It's all about them.
0: What a great example. I mean, again, I, I just look at your life and some of these stories and how it's very easy to take something like that, some adversity like that, and just get overwhelmed with it. To feel like, you know, some of the things you were saying before, like, why me? Like, why is this is my fault? And and I think we do that as parents as well sometimes. Like when our kids have something like this where it's not your fault. It's a disorder. It's something that needs to be treated and paid attention to. And no one's to blame. But sometimes as a parent, it's hard to, I guess, not point the finger at yourself. You know what I mean? I, I would imagine that that would have been kind of a challenge in the beginning, at least.
1: Oh, absolutely. So I very much consider it like the five stages. So the first stage is you're like very similar to stage grief. You're in denial. You're like, this isn't happening. What's going on? No, blah, blah, blah. Then you're in the blame, you know, stage and that stage lasted. And it still happens to me every so once in a while. I always still catch myself thinking to myself, could I be doing something differently? could I be catching this earlier? Can I see the triggers? Um, you know, what else can I do? I, I still do that even to today. Um, then there's like the anger, like, yeah, um, you're angry because you can't figure it out. There's not any, it's not an exact science. Behavioral disabilities and um, mental health disabilities Even though there is signs out there, it's not exact. Every single person is different. And something that works for one person may not work for the other. And that's the challenge is that it's not exact. So you are sitting here trying a million different things and you don't know if they're working. And you just have to try to find a common ground. So I went through all of that so I can relate to anyone who's on here who is thinking that because I went through all of it. I still do. I still go through it.
2: Yeah. Every yeah. time,
1: especially if there's a flare up, especially if there's a behavior or something that occurs. Um, then you go through acceptance and research, you know, that research phase, which is kind of the phase that I'm in. It's like, okay, I accept that there's good things that are gonna be wrong. Let's do as much research as possible, let's get as much help as let's get possible, and let's be adaptive. Yeah. Um, I think that, that is the word of 2020. Adaptability. Oh, absolutely. And in more ways than one, um, adaptability with our environment, adaptability with ourselves, and most importantly, adaptability with the children, with the youth. You know, I told my kids that there's one thing that they learned out of 2020, even though that they hate it right now. They hate being at home all the time. They're like, I want to see my <laughs> friend's more. I'm tired of being at home with you. Yeah. I, I, you know, they don't mind learning on the computers because they like being on the computers, but it's so much. They're on the screens almost eight hours a day. Yeah. They're learning to be adaptable. And I told them, I said, if one thing that you're learning, you're learning how to be adaptable because it changes minute by minute, hour by hour. And my daughter said to me the other day, she's like, mommy, she's like, I like 2020. And I was like, why, why do you like it, baby? She's like, cause it's always changing. She's like, and it's like fall and that's my favorite season. And I was like, okay. And so just look at it from that perspective. I was like, all right, baby, she's rocking with it. She's, you know, good. That tells me that she's in a good space. um, You know what I mean? And that she's looking at it positively, you know, and that's all we can do is try to look at the positives, even though there is a lot of negatives, you have to try to bring those positives out and it's really hard to do, but it can be done. It can be done.
0: Yeah. That's great advice. I mean, I think a lot of people can relate with, the stories that you're sharing for sure if if not directly like something similar like you said like you can relate with people that are going through that type of a scenario um so you've shared that you you tend to use your platform being involved in pageants um and spreading awareness and support through those can you kind of give some examples of of how that's gone for you or some of the feedback you've received from sharing your story
1: Absolutely. Um, So it started off just working with heart health awareness, um, talking about what happened with my dad and transitioning through that. And then I developed a platform um, basically revolved around that. So the first event that I did was style for the heart. And I used my license as cosmetologist to arrange an event where we provided different services throughout the day at a local salon and every service that we actually did with volunteers, all the money for those services was donated directly to the heart association. And I raised over $3,000 in one day for that oh, association wow. which ended up being doubled by an anonymous donor, which was really, really cool. That's awesome. I'm, I'm hoping to do that event again here, possibly in 2021. We'll see. It's really hard to do it in 2020 just because of everything oh, yeah. going on. Yeah. I set out in 2016 and it was actually planned for this year um where i was attempting to break a world record to hold the largest cpr event and unfortunately i planned it for march Uh and um, (laughs) got canceled um so that is a lot to do it took me two years to plan it and try to even hold it so i have to basically start all over again so i can't even start it until there might even be, you know, a vaccine or the numbers go down because in order to do it it has to be done in person, um, and the current world record is over like 19,000, and it's I Whoa. believe it's currently held by Germany. So we have to try to beat that. So that's the yeah. long-term goal for mine. And then it went from just speaking at different events. So I was able to speak at event uh, the events all over this all over the state, from Pittsburgh to Philadelphia through different podcasts I've been on podcasts in 10 different countries so far and wow. I believe 15 states I'm awesome. um, going to go back and look at my map which has been a really really cool yeah and lastly but not leastly just sharing it on social media we started something this past year called Camelback Adventures um, it's the social media movement and for those of you who are listening it's a Camelback is a book bag that you fill up with water
2: oh yeah yeah um,
1: and so my husband being in the military, we had like a ton of these laying around and we started taking them like on our trips, hikes, you know, walks, oh, they're the all best. these kind of different yeah. places. So then my kind of brain went on this like spark of like, well, why not combine what we're already doing with what I want to do with talking about heart health, tips and tricks, you know, mental health, what exercise can do for both of those on my social media. So we started these Camelback adventures and we try to go somewhere every week and share tips and tricks, you know, of different things with this adventure, hoping to get more people involved. Yeah. So my goal over the next year is to have a hundred ambassadors from all across the world to participate and basically showcase like their adventures through their life and help spread the message of heart health awareness and mental health awareness, just tips yeah. and tricks that they can do. Um, So there's just been a lot of things that I've been working on. My favorite thing over the past few years of doing it, um, it's going to sound really silly, but I'm really proud of it. Um, I was named Mrs. Congeniality two years in a row in 2017 and 2018. And in 2018 was the first big title that I won, which was Mm -hmm. Mrs. Pennsylvania America 2018. Yeah, And that's a huge honor because Mrs. Congeniality is voted on by the contestant.
0: Oh, it is. Interesting.
1: So your fellow contestants that compete with you, we call them sister queens. And yeah. they vote for the person who they believe should be Mrs. Congeniality. I was the first woman in Pennsylvania to not only win the Congeniality Award, but to also win the title of Mrs. Pennsylvania. And that I'm really, really proud of. Yeah. And the other award that I'm really proud of, of winning, and again, it's going to sound really silly, but it really means a lot to me, especially after my father passed. This past year, I was able to represent my heritage as Mrs. Germany World through the Mrs. World organization. My father's side is from Germany. They're actually from Cologne, Germany.
2: Oh, wow. And
1: I represented Little Red Riding Hood in a traditional drindle, And I had a wolf that skateboarded on the stage. It was really cool. Really. And I won an award for the most whimsical costume. Now, that doesn't seem like something you know most people would be really excited about but i'm really excited about it because it really meant a lot to me to represent something that was so close especially revolving around my father
0: yeah absolutely and
1: and to actually win an award for something that my husband me and my kids all came up with my son let me his skateboard my daughter helped me sew it together and my husband helped me like plan it all out so that i could take it to vegas take it apart and put it back together.
0: Nice. (laughs) That's awesome. I I love the example because it's for you. It doesn't seem like it's about an award. It's about kind of the journey to the award and the people that are involved, not just you. And then spreading awareness for the, the causes that you care about through the platform is just really cool. It's very admirable to see the things that you've done and sharing your story and understanding that there's more to it than just, you know, the couple of awards that you got, which which are awesome. Like you said, that's it's part of the perk of of going through the process, but in the end, it's about something more. At least that's that's kind of what I'm feeling from hearing your story. No,
1: absolutely. I always I always deem it like the award was the icing on the cake. The crown yeah. is the icing on the cake. It's all about the journey, it's all about the ride, it's all about what you do with your title. And I never really realized how much more pageantry could help me talk about my story. I always describe it like a big, shining microphone. Um, the crown is just this microphone that when you have it on, more people want to listen to you, more people want to talk to you, more people want to hear your story. So use it for good. Um, yeah. And when you have that crown and sash on, people look at you. They look at you like a celebrity. They're like, "What? who is that? What is she? What is she doing here? What does she have to say? Why is she here? What is she talking about? Yeah. All these things. And it really allowed me to help so many more people because I was doing all these things before pageantry yeah. and I was just doing them as stand And then I got to do them as my local title, which was Mrs. Allegheny County, Pennsylvania, America for three years, and then Mrs. Pennsylvania, America, and then Mrs. Germany world. It was like incredible to me how many more people I was able to reach out to. And to me, that's what it's about. If I can help just one person, then it's all worth it. And that's where it started for me. And I really believe that all roads lead to home. And that's what my message was is, is if even I can help one person, that's all that matters.
0: Wow. That's great. That's great stuff. Very profound. I love just the passion that you can feel just behind your voice, right. And what you're talking about and, and hearing the whole story. I mean, you've been places, you've had some serious adversity in your life and, And seeing what you've done with that adversity, I think is great for a message on this podcast of just communicating to people that are probably in a low point in their life right now might be listening to this and just see examples of people that a lot of times it really does just take a solid network of people, right? Having people put their faith in you and you putting your faith in other people and not trying to do life by yourself. Taking support from others and trying to find that support network, I think, is super important for everybody in this life. And your story definitely contributes to that. Um,
1: Absolutely. And I think also, too, telling people it's okay to step outside of their comfort zone. Sometimes yeah. I find when I was preparing for pageantry and doing my pageants that it kind of took my mind off of other things. So when you step outside your comfort zone, I always tell people pageantry allowed me to take my mind off of some things, but it also allowed me to focus on me. It was self-care for a whole year. Think about it. When you do pageants, you have to be mentally fit, physically fit. You know, you have to be prepared. You have to be organized. And so kind of forcing you to take care of yourself first, which was some things that I had forgotten to do for a long time, but it was also about forcing yourself to, be reminded of why you started in the first place. Hmm. And sometimes we forget that, you know, why are you doing X? You know, why are you doing Y? You know, um, what do you want in your life? Like, what do you want to do in the next five years? It reminded me of goals that I wanted to achieve,
2: yeah. not
1: only for myself, but again, for others. And I knew that I wanted to do something with heart health ever since my dad had his heart attack and stroke. Right. This allowed me to come up with a plan and to do it. And so I always tell people, you know, listen, don't be surprised by something that comes for you that you never expected. God has a fancy way of giving you something that you never thought you would do for a reason. I never in a million years thought I was going to do a pageant, even though I always wanted to, because I had my kids very young. I had my, my son when I was 19 and you, you there's not a, there wasn't a lot of pageants at the time that you could compete in being single and having a child
2: yeah. and so
1: i thought my window had closed and then when i found out that there were pageants for married women i was like well wait a second here
2: yeah. let's
1: try this because i love to model i love being on stage and i just love the idea of of volunteering And then it became just so much more than that. You meet amazing women. I have 48 sisters from across the country, across the world. And I have 51 sisters from across the U.S. when I competed here for America. They are my sisters. We talk to each other all the time. I can reach out to them and say hi to them. And these are people like doctors, lawyers. There might be people who just do podcasts on there. There could be a housewife. There could be a policeman, a, a firefighter. These are some women that dare I say are some kick butt women. Yeah. And when you stand there on that stage with 48 other phenomenal women, you kind of pinch yourself and you're like, am I really here? Like it's a very amazing feeling. And so I'm I'm telling your listeners to just be aware of your surroundings and step outside of your comfort zone and try something that, you know, not only might take your mind off of some of the things that are going on right now, but really challenge you to learn more about yourself, the things that you want.
0: Wow. That's so inspiring. Thank you for sharing. Well, so I'm wondering as we, we come to an end here with the interview, uh, do you have, a lot of times I like to ask people if they have any kind of a, a resource that you'd like to share so a book or another podcast or a social media page or something that you find inspiring or helpful to you?
1: The only thing that I tell people that is inspiring to me is to go on the American Heart Association's website and to learn CPR. You can do it right this minute, right yeah. after you finish listening to this podcast. They teach hands-only CPR online and it can save a life. Um, on there, there's a million other things of things that you can do to become heart healthy, simple tips and tricks. And I mean, of course, if you guys want to reach out to me, you're more than welcome to, um, you can find me on any social media at Sandell Taylor. Um, my name is very weird, so I'll spell it for you guys. It's (laughs) a N D a H L. And my last name is Taylor T a Y L O R. Um, you can find me almost anywhere. Just type in that name. You're going to find me. There's really nobody else that has that name except for the person I was named after. So yeah. you'll be able to find me. Perfect. Um, but just find something that's for you. Um. So those are for me. And I always try to end my podcast with asking people to please go out and learn CPR. You can save somebody's life.
0: That's great advice. And I love that you point out it's hands only. I mean, when I was growing up, it was, you know, you got to do the the hands and then the mouth and back and forth and it's 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 like a little more simplified, but are, are you finding it's just as effective?
1: Um. So the reason why I say hands only is because a lot of people are terrified to to put their mouth on somebody else's mouth.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, so
1: I find that um when you at least give them a second option. Of course, I want people to le- learn full CPR if they're feeling comfortable, and
0: right. they do
1: have devices now that go over someone's mouth. Um and with your mouth so that you're not actually touching them um, oh, but i think hands only because they actually do teach it online regular cpr you still from what i'm from what i know at least in my area you still have to learn it um person to person so it's a perfect thing to do in in covid times yeah, but yeah. cpr just by giving the um the, the the hands only it increases somebody life somebody's life expectancy by 33% so just by starting with those motions you're increasing the chance of their survival by 33%.
0: Yeah. That's fascinating. So yeah, there
1: is a reason why. Um but it's something easy, it's something everyone can do. My kids have learned it. Um now and you know they are CPR certified and I just think that it's something that it's very easy to do in COVID. Mm-hmm. You can do it right from your desk and I just I want it to be mandatory in every state but we're working on that. So
0: yeah, right on great message. Well, thanks again, Sandel. I really appreciate your time today. And, and really just the message sharing with our listeners here of, of trying to find yourself a support network that you think you can rely on to help you out with your goals in life and surrounding yourself with great people. Um, and then stepping outside of your comfort zone, you know, everybody out there, find something that you're interested in. And maybe you don't feel like it's it's worth the time, but really put yourself out there and, and step out of your comfort zone and be amazed at the things that can happen. And then of course, go out there and learn how to do CPR and we can all help each other out.
1: I love it. It's perfect. Thank you again so much um, for having me on. I really, really appreciate it for everyone listening. Thank you again. Um, it really means a lot to me to be able to share my story. Um, I hope that you all you know, had a great holiday. If, depending on when this comes out, great Easter, whatever. (laughs) It won't be that long. (laughs) Uh, But, you know, just again, thank you so much.
0: Hey, thank you again for listening in today. If you truly are struggling and having suicidal thoughts, please call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800- 273 8255 They are available 24 hours every day and are anxious to help people in need. If you prefer to text I would recommend the Crisis Text Line. They provide 24-7 support via text message. They're here for everything from anxiety, depression and suicide so even if you don't consider yourself suicidal, please text HOME to 741741 that's H-O-M-E-2-741-741. And simply open up about how you're feeling. Until next time, let's all stick around and help each other find hope and see value in life.